right, Mike, I want to ask you about your last and favorite topic here, your fantasy team. Stop. How many fantasy teams are you playing in this year, and oh. how good is your team looking? Come on, I, I get the down. shakes. I get the shakes anytime this comes up because you know what the guys on Pardon My Take do. They they find creative ways to get me to talk about my fantasy team so they can say nobody gives a damn about your fantasy team, although they, they use other language than that. I've got two leagues, if you care, and you probably don't, but uh, the drafts are coming up. I like to do the drafts as late as possible because you never know when injuries are going to happen. So. No one cares, Mike. I was set up. No one cares. I was set up, you mother... Well, I'm, I'm glad they stopped the audio when they did. I was wondering how that moment was going to be handled. Good morning. Hello. I didn't cancel Friday's co-host as retaliation for what this guy and his pardon my take partner, PFT commenter, my internet son. How could my internet son do this to me every year? But they did it again. Big Cat's back. It's PFT Live. It's Friday. Hello. Welcome back. You didn't cancel because you didn't realize I was going to be on until like seven o'clock last night. <laughs> it was too late. It was, so too, it was late. way too late. <laughs> Otherwise, you could be two hours by yourself. I that moment was so perfect, Mike. I I didn't realize when we taped it, and and I I was the one who like set up the Field Yates part. Perfect. Shout out Field Yates, the absolute perfect guy for the job there because he's a trusting guy. Why would Field Yates screw with you there? Uh, and after watching it the next day. I didn't realize just how perfect it was because you admitted all your fears. You just said it out loud. I am so scared to talk about anything fantasy related because of what part of my take has done to my brain. And we were watching the whole thing and it was amazing. What a moment. I'll get you next year. You think I won't. I will. You won't. Two, two years ago, I, I, I got your son involved and he, he gave me your entire team and then got you that way. I'll get you. I, I mean, you didn't think I'd get you this year. I basically... I got Field Yates to get you. Like I, it. I'll get you. Don't worry. I've already started. I've already started the process to get you next year. Just so you know. I've replayed so much of the last week. Field Yates contacts me and wants to interview me for something, and he never said what it was. And it just seemed odd to me. Like I don't remember seeing any clips of Field Yates interviewing people. Like maybe it's something new. I don't know. And then when. He connects on Monday. He's not in any ESPN studio, so I'm thinking, well, okay, hey, maybe this is something new. I don't know. I'll, I'll answer his questions. And even when I, I was standing at the edge of the water looking into it, and I knew the shark was going to come out and bite my head off, and I stayed there like Ugh. I was oblivious. I, part of me, I feel like part of my brain was screaming, it's a trap, it's a trap, it's a trap. And the rest of me was like, oh, well, okay, yeah, you know, these guys like to do it to me, so I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I'll just go ahead and do it anyway. And there it was. I, it was well done. It was well done. And uh, uh, my, 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 my wife chastised me for the language I used, but that was a real, honest human reaction to the moment. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't mad. I was just, it was like, hey, you did it. Congratulations. You, did, I got you, you got yeah. me again. You got no, me you again. Weren't, you weren't mad at us. And we were, we were, I was dying laughing watching Field Yates go through his fake interview questions and you taking it so seriously. I wonder seriously. why there's no follow up. Well, I'm like, you know, he's rushing me through these questions and I'm like, hey, this is good stuff. We can have a little back and forth. I don't know what this show is that you're trying to do. Maybe there's a time limit I'm not aware of. I, it was just, it, and again, that's another thing that keeps coming back to me. I should have sensed 
something was coming because he, he really didn't care about what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Perfect. All right. I love it. Well, hopefully everyone out there will care about what we're going to be saying over the course of the next two hours on Pro Football Talk Live. Hello to our friends in the U.K. and Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. We're six days away from the start of the 2021 season. I can't believe it's almost here, and I still can't believe the Cowboys have drawn the shortest of short straws, having to go to Tampa Bay to start the season against a team that has won eight games in a row, that has everyone coming back, and they don't have a backup quarterback in Dallas. Well, they do. His name's Cooper Rush. So they don't have a backup quarterback in Dallas if Dak Prescott gets injured at any point. On Thursday, Mike McCarthy, coach of the Cowboys, was asked about... The sudden availability of a guy who could be a pretty good backup to Dak Prescott and Cam Newton. Let's listen to what McCarthy had to say. Sit here and talk about any of the players on our roster. I don't think there's really anything that uh, beneficial that comes out of that for us. But uh, Cam's had a chance to compete against Cam. Um, you know, a chance to watch you know some of his tape in New England. So um, I still think he has a, a ton of ton of football left. But you know, we're we're very excited about the group that we have. Look, how can you say you're very excited about the group that you have? Uh, Yeah, you're excited about Dak Prescott, but you learned last year you need a backup. Uh, Big Cat, I think a couple of things. First of all, you can't have Cam Newton on your team unless he's the starter because he is too magnetic. He will have people in the locker room that want to play with him. Now, if you've got a very clearly entrenched franchise quarterback, maybe you can get away with it, but I don't think he wants to be a backup. But secondly, I think the Cowboys look at last year and say, we had Andy Dalton and we needed him and we still stunk. What's the point? If we don't have Dak Prescott, we're done. We don't need to worry about a backup quarterback. If we can't use the guy that we want, it's over. Yeah, no, it's a good point because there are definitely teams where if the – uh, starting quarterback is gone. It's over. It's it. Don't even worry about it. It's just it's over. You just know that the drop off is is that severe. Um, I agree with you though. Cam is not a backup, and, and I don't say that in a mean way. I say it actually in a nice way that he is. He has the energy of a starter. He's been a starter his entire career in the NFL. There are certain guys who could could have careers as backups for a very long time, and I just don't think their personality-wise are built for it. I always said that, you know, Jay Cutler, who I I consider a friend, he is a guy who he could have played another five years as a backup in the NFL. If Jay Cutler stayed in shape and was still uh, ready to go, you don't think that he would be a better backup Terms of in terms of talent, then I don't know. Ninety percent of the backups currently in the NFL, but he just he's not a backup type of personality, a backup type of player. So there are just certain guys who aren't that, and I think Cam Newton is that exactly. You know that description. So if there's a starting job that comes along, if there is someone who gets injured and then they want to call up Cam, maybe. But I don't think that you bring him in as a backup because, like you said, he is a he's a uh, magnanimous. What did you say? Magnanimous? Magnanimous? Magnetic. I said he's magnetic. magnetic. All right. So I went for I went for it. I went for it. There. You haven't had your coffee yet. Magnanimous you personality in the locker room. He also, I and I know we want to. I wanted to discuss this with you because I I completely disagree that uh that Cam Newton's vaccination has anything to do with him getting cut with the Patriots. Cam Newton's not good. I don't know why we think he's still good. He was a really good quarterback for a good amount of time in the NFL. He's probably the best college football quarterback I've ever seen in terms of the season he had at Auburn, that national championship season. 
Obviously, you have the MVP year where you see him put it all together. But as he currently states, like, go look at Cam Newton's year last year. And I know the players weren't great around him. He wasn't good. If you watch the game with your eyes, you know that he has something wrong with his mechanics. He can't make all the throws anymore. He's not seeing the game uh, in a way that, that, that he can maybe get by with not being 100% physically as Cam Newton. He's just not that good anymore. And I, I don't mean that in the mean way. I mean that in everyone talks about Cam Newton, like, where's he going to go? Where's he going to go? Maybe nowhere because he's not a backup. And he might not be a starter anymore, talent-wise. Well, let's go there. And, but before we do, though, I have to point out, it's been a couple of minutes now, but I think it's the first time I've ever heard anyone make the humble brag name drop of Jay Cutler. Jay well, Cutler? I mean, he's a friend of mine, yeah. yeah. But, okay, yes. we're, we're very impressed by your friendship with Jay Cutler. Um, I mean, he is. Cam Newton, very friendship good. is not likely going to happen based upon your comments after that. I, I look at things as simply as I possibly can because that's pretty much all my brain can process. Monday of last week, Bill Belichick says Cam Newton is the starter and will remain the starter until someone else plays better than him. So whatever anyone else thinks about Cam Newton's skills or abilities, as of 11 days ago, Bill Belichick regarded him the starter, unless he was lying through his teeth, which, look, shocker, football coaches lie sometimes. But what's the upside of lying about Cam Newton being the starter when you're getting into late August and the season is approaching? I think the vaccination status hurt him, not because Bill Belichick is saying, I think everybody should be vaccinated and I don't want some anti-vaxxer on my team and we've brought in these experts to try to convince these guys and he just won't change his mind. I don't want this guy on my team because I don't want this guy around me. I think that Belichick went through the mental gymnastics that the Jacksonville Jaguars are now trying to do to clean up Urban Meyer's mess when he came out and said, yeah, sure, we considered vaccination status in making our roster decisions. It's a matter of availability. When you're the most important player on the team and you can be gone any given day, every given day, 10 days if you test positive because you get tested every day as an unvaccinated player, or five days if you have close contact with somebody who's infected, or five days if you do something stupid which is what he did. He did something stupid. He went out of town, and he didn't get tested every day at the facility. He thought you could go to the drugstore and get a COVID test and phone in the results, I guess. And so he's gone. Mac Jones seizes the opportunity, and off we go. And can't have Cam as the backup to Mac Jones. Can't have him diluting Mac Jones' ability to try to lead this team. So if he can't be the starter, can't be on the team, that's it. So it wasn't because he's not vaccinated. That wasn't it. It was... He's not reliable. You can't trust him, and we've seen it play out, and Mac Jones took the job. So I think that's how his vaccination status okay. played into his departure. I'm okay with that. I just thought it was ridiculous that people were using Cam Newton not vaccinated as the reason why he got cut by the Patriots. And I do I, – I, I can hold two thoughts in my brain at the same time, Mike. I do think when it comes to borderline guys, like Urban Meyer admitted – you like you're you're gonna want your borderline guys. You're gonna want your roster bubble guys to be vaccinated because those guys are uh, seen and not heard, right? Like you don't want issues from them. Cam Newton, though, if Cam Newton were good, if Cam Newton was 2000, whatever it was, 15, 16, 15. MVP, Cam Newton, he he could 
he could have like a new strain of, of coronavirus and Bill Belichick would, would keep him on the team. Bill Belichick only cares about winning football games. I saw someone tweeting me, they're like, Bill Belichick would sign the coronavirus if it meant that they could win more football games. So like the guy only cares about the product on the field. He cares about who can help the team win. So just like now all of a sudden being like, well, he clearly, he, he cut him because he's not vaccinated. I don't buy it. I just think Cam Newton's not that good anymore. And I think Bill Belichick knew it. I think Bill Belichick knows that Cam Newton doesn't give him the best chance as a backup because of everything you said, where the guys in the locker room love Cam Newton. He is a leader. He is a, he is a guy that everyone is drawn to. And you can't have a rookie quarterback start the season with a backup who's won an MVP, who's gone to a Super Bowl, who everyone loves, and then have, you know, you start one and three, and everyone's like, well, why aren't we playing this guy? I think the uh, inner politics of an NFL locker room and playing the right guy, and I know we're going to get to this because we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with my Bears, that matters. Got like... Players know. They know who the best player is. And Mac Jones, I think, is better than Cam Newton right now. But if he struggles, then it quickly becomes a different story and everyone says, why is Cam Newton not playing? The biggest difference between Cam Newton, who's not vaccinated, and Kirk Cousins, who's not vaccinated, is that there's no one else in Minnesota that Mike Zimmer could have turned to and said, this guy's as good or close to it or maybe better than Kirk Cousins, and I don't have to go to bed every night before a game worrying that in the morning he's going to test positive. I'm going to have to rip up my game plan on the fly with two hours notice and pivot to somebody else. If there's somebody like that in Minnesota, Cousins is gone. And I and think money. that's the reality. Right, and well, money. right. You got the, and money. the potential cap implications and all of that. Yeah, they have guaranteed salaries for, for uh, I mean, like it's $35 million next year fully guaranteed for Kirk Cousins. That makes it harder to cut him. But, but you, you don't even get there. You don't even get there. If you don't have an alternative now, New England had an alternative now. The other thing uh, with Cam Newton, I saw some people saying, well, why would you bring him back if he was so bad last year? The Patriots brought him back on, on nothing. You know what I mean? Like, they, what would they end up losing there? Two and a half million dollars? Three and a half million. Three, Three and, and a half, half million, million total. Dollars. That, that yeah. is worth it. To see if Cam Newton, maybe it was an injury, maybe he needed to learn the offense, you get him a full, like, OTAs and training camps. That, in in terms of, like, the quarterback position, trying to figure out who you have, and this is obviously they signed him to this deal before the draft, so you don't know how the draft is going to play out. All those things are worth it to bring a guy like that back to see if maybe it, it can work out, and knowing that if it doesn't, like it didn't, it is basically nothing to cut him. Because if Kirk Cousins, I think, was owed $3.5 million, I think the Vikings would probably cut him. I really do. Because I think they're probably sick of him. I think they're probably sick of the ceiling that the team has, knowing here's the limitations and we're never going to get past this point. I think that, I actually think the Vikings, by the end of the year, I think Kellen Mond will be the starter for the Vikings. You like that? That's my prediction. Next year, not this year. Mon's not ready. And Mon's not vaccinated either. So you don't solve the problem in Minnesota by swapping out Cousins for Mon. The problem of worrying constantly about your quarterback suddenly being unavailable and screwing up the game plan and taking a potential victory and making it a loss. The other thing I think the Patriots were doing with Cam Newton in hindsight, it throws dirt on the possibility of taking a quarterback with that 15th pick. You're you're less susceptible to being leapfrogged by somebody else who wanted Mac Jones because even though there was a lot of speculation the Patriots would do it, it's kind of like nobody really believed it. Like, boy, hey, I could see Mac Jones going to the Patriots at 15, but the Patriots don't use first-round picks on quarterbacks. Belichick has never done it. That's not how they do things. So when you have Cam Newton there 
And they really did like, and now we have to say did, not do, they did like Cam Newton. And there were reasons to think he could be better with a second year in the system with better weapons around him. But they got Mac Jones, and Mac Jones came in, and when he was given the opportunity, he seized it. And now he's clearly the best option to run that team. And just in case he slips, there won't be a clamoring for Cam Newton because it's Mac Jones and then Brian Hoyer as the next option, and nobody in that locker room is going to say, we want Brian Hoyer. You touched on this briefly. PointsBet has put out the odds for the next team that Cam Newton will take a snap for. We've already had Washington through Ron Rivera come out and say no thanks and we've had Mike McCarthy say no thanks and they're still both the favorite so I guess I would bet against whatever the negative is whatever the flip side odds are for Dallas and Washington I would hammer that bet because it's not going to be Dallas it's not going to be Washington unless there's an injury and and I think that's the key when you look at all those favorites except for Houston None of those other ones are going to happen unless there's an injury to the starter. Maybe in Miami if Tua just ends up being horrible. If that's the case, they'll trade for Deshaun Watson. But for the top candidates on that list, it all, I think, has as a starting point the starter getting injured before you ever get to the point where you call Cam. You're not going to bring in Cam to be the backup. You're not going to bring bring him in to be the backup. And also, I don't think you're going to bring him in if – you don't have a chance maybe at getting to – and this is obviously going against what I just said because I do not think he's good anymore. But uh, maybe if you're trying to salvage a playoff berth and you're like, we need someone who can maybe make some plays here. I don't know. Like if Houston, if Deshaun Watson, whatever happens there, I don't even know if they'd bring in Cam Newton to, to run out the stretch there because what would be the point? Like why wouldn't you want to just see someone younger, see if you can have someone who's a backup try try it out and see if, you know, you have something there. So, I think it would be like a late season, can we can we win one or two games to get into the playoffs as a stopgap? And even then, I don't know. I just I Mike, I don't know if I don't know if he'll get signed this year. I, I think he'll probably get a chance next year, but it, it is tough because he really is and, and this is me being uh, praising Cam Newton here, but like he really is that type of personality where everyone's drawn to him. I think he's a great teammate. I think everyone loves him. And it's hard to bring a guy like that in there uh, when you're trying to have everyone rally around whatever quarterback you have going right now. Like Tua, even Tua. You bring in Cam Newton, that's an issue because Tua, I don't care how many times Brian Flores can get in front of us and tell us Tua's his quarterback. That, that can't be rock solid. It just can't. Like he hasn't shown it yet. So he might show it week one. He might show it, the, you know, in September. But as it currently states, that locker room in Miami, there's no way they're 100% we love Tua. Yeah, and Sims and I talked about this yesterday. The only way Tua is going to quiet the Deshaun Watson noise in Miami, which is real, is to go out and play well, be motivated by it the way Tom Brady would, be upset about it, and go out there and prove to them that they don't need to be thinking about Deshaun Watson, that they have a a new Deshaun Watson into a Tonga Vailoa. With Cam, too, the other thing, and I've said this a couple of times this week, but you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it. It's a lot like what happened in the latter stages of Mike Vick's career. It was hard for him to find a backup job because you had a locker room full of guys who grew up idolizing him. And we're getting to that point with Cam. Think about it. Rewind 10 years to when Cam was the first overall pick coming out of Auburn. You got guys in the locker room now who were 12, 13 years old with Cam Newton posters, and they loved Cam Newton. So you have to have an entrenched starting quarterback who won't be threatened in any way, directly or indirectly, by Cam. And if you're going to do that, then just wait until somebody gets injured. 
there's no reason to pick a team where you say, well, let's say I'm going to find the quarterback most likely to have a season-ending injury. Hmm, I'll go to Pittsburgh and be the backup to Ben Roethlisberger. And frankly, that's one of the places it makes sense because it worked for Vic because nobody in the locker room is going to say, we want Cam. If Ben right. gets hurt, you got Cam, and he's a better alternative than Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, no, I agree. So maybe the Ravens, you know, maybe that's the, the answer because Lamar Jackson is their starter and everyone loves him. So, yeah, you, you're absolutely right, though. You need to have that firm foundation that it's it's bringing him in for a stopgap, not bringing him in to p- potentially take the starting job next year because that's probably what Cam wants to do. He's a competitive guy. So uh, I, I just think it's a very tricky situation. I don't I don't see a lot of spots where he can land. I think that the best proof of your point, and I don't completely agree with your point. I think if you put Cam Newton in an offense that more naturally fits his skill set, not try to jam square peg in a round hole, although the Patriots did adjust their offense to suit his skills, the problem is when he uses his skills, he gets injured because he's so big and he can move and he can run, but we've seen time and again he gets hit, he gets hurt. And, and he hasn't made that transition to pocket passer later in his career like a Steve McNair or a Steve Young did. I think that's part of the problem. But I think if the Saints never show interest in Cam Newton to be the game day backup that Teddy Bridgewater was to Drew Brees, that Jameis Winston was to Drew Brees, while Taysom Hill does his thing and now Winston is the starter, I mean, Peyton dealt with this guy for nearly a decade. If Peyton isn't interested, that's kind of the sign that, okay, maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe maybe the, the best days are well behind Cam Newton. and Because it would make sense. If, if the Saints would sign Cam Newton to be the game day backup to Jameis Winston, I think we'd all say that makes sense. And if anybody can make it work, it's Peyton. If Ron Rivera were to sign him. Because, I mean, I, I actually think that Fitzpatrick is probably better right now in his point of his career than Cam Newton. Like, But if Ron Rivera, he knows how special Cam Newton can be. And he's passing. That tells you everything. By the way, interesting thing that you just brought up. It just popped in my head. Are you ready to apologize to me? Because I told you that Taysom Hill was not going to be the starter in New Orleans. I don't remember that. I don't recall I, that at all. You have, you have been hot on Taysom this Hill is the, for this years is the height, now. Wait. This is the height of irony. That on your first appearance on this program, after you did to me what you did on Monday, you're asking for an apology from me. How yes. dare you? No, how dare you? You said that Taysom Hill was the starter. <laughs> Jameis Winston is a future Hall of Famer. I told you this a million times. You love Taysom Hill. You love Taysom Hill. I think that, that Jameis Winston flat out won the job. He came yeah, in and won the Taysom job. Yeah, Hill's last not a quarterback, year. Mike. He's not a quarterback. Hey, uh, wait, he did pretty well last year when he had a chance to play. He did pretty well. He was what three and one last year as the starter, and Peyton viewed him as better than Hill, uh, than Winston last year. So Hill, look, I, I think what hurts Taysom Hill is the fact that he can do other stuff. Now Winston sees that job last Monday night against Jacksonville with those throws he made. He sees that job, but I thought Hill was going to have to win convincingly to get Peyton to not want to do what he can now do. I can use Winston and Hill. If Hill wins the job, it's not like you're going to have Winston playing H-back. So I, I, I think that, that Hill was a victim of his own versatility. Oh, and I think that made it harder a, for him to win the starting job. That's a you great like that? spin zone. I've been so right about the Saints. I think that's the only team that I, I'm right about consistently. I was, I was on so the what they, Okay. 
Yeah. What are they going to do with Winston? What are they going to do? They're going to get they get going to the Super Bowl. They they beat the Probably. Bucks twice last year and could have beat yeah. them three times. They're up ten points in the third quarter. Are they going to are they going to knock out the Bucks this year? Probably. I mean, J- I was I've been on the last I don't know two years, three years. The Drew Brees is holding that team back because he, you saw the stats were lying to everyone every single week. Drew Brees would get his stats. But you knew the limitations. You knew that when he got into a big game, he couldn't make a big throw downfield because his shoulder just wasn't the same. So I do think Jameis Winston, if he can limit the interceptions, he got LASIK, he can maybe see the middle linebacker now. I I, I mean, I think that he gives the Saints a better chance at winning football games than Drew Brees the last couple of years. Well, that 53-yard throw that you see right there was the longest throw made by any New Orleans quarterback in any game since 2016. I mean, there you go. uh, Yeah, but but look, it's easy to say, well, Drew Brees didn't have the deep ball in his repertoire late in his career, but he was so surgical with everything else, that's why he was still the starter. That's what Winston has to do. Mike, you got to be surgical with what they give you. If Mike, you can scare them deep, you why, well, okay, all right. Mike, you can't you can't win a a full, uh, playoff game if you can't at least threaten going deep. Like remember when Peyton Manning won with the, with the Broncos? Now that Broncos defense was exceptional. Peyton Manning had a noodle arm at the end of his career. But do you remember how like every every game basically went the same way? The first quarter or second quarter, like the first half, Peyton Manning had some zip in his balls. He uh, that was a phrasing bad. Peyton Manning <laughs> Peyton Manning had some zip in his arm. He could make all the throws for I don't know, 15 20 minutes of the game. It would start to fade as the game went on and he wouldn't be able to push the ball downfield, but that they would jump out to a lead, they would hold the lead, they would serve the game. You know what I mean? Like True Breeze didn't have that. He just didn't. And I, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm doing a lot of I, this guy stinks, but he's a nice guy, which we haven't even gotten to Andy Dalton. But Drew Brees was holding that team back. I think the Saints have had a roster that is Super Bowl caliber the last few years, and I think that they've been missing that one piece of being able to stretch the defense, being able to give you know their, their playmakers more space because of the threat of throwing it over the top. In 2015 with the Broncos, by the time they got to the Super Bowl, either Peyton Manning or Brock Osweiler could have won that game because that was a dominant defensive performance. Where Peyton Manning had his greatest value, and I know this, this isn't just speculation or evaluation or whatever, I know this. Peyton Manning's greatest value to that team's championship came against the Steelers in the divisional round because on multiple occasions... They were in a bad play against a bad look, and it was going to blow up. And he spotted it, and he changed the play. And he did that over and over and over again. And I say that because that's the kind of experience that you have with Drew Brees. That's the kind of brain power that you have with Drew Brees. That's the knowledge of the offense, the knowledge of the defenses. That's going to be the challenge for Jameis Winston. He started five years in Tampa. He never had the kind of coaching he has with Sean Payton. Peyton's going to have to give him a crash course in understanding how to operate the whole offense. Hey, great, you can throw the ball 53 yards in the air. There's more to that when it comes to being a quarterback. That's going to be the stuff. He can do the hard stuff. He's got to do the easy stuff or it's not going to work. Now, and, and it's not this, easy. I'm not saying yeah. it's easy. I'm saying it's easy throws, but it's it's tougher from a mental standpoint yeah. of reading the defense and understanding what you need to do. Because so many of those throws that we saw Drew Brees make, he knew before the, the ball was ever in his hands who was going to be open, and he got it to him. 
The uh, and the Saints were snake bitten. I'll absolutely admit that they had they had you know tragic playoff losses. But here's one for you, Mike, that I, I'm going to just test out here, and it's probably going to get people very very angry. Uh, the famous pass interference in the NFC Championship game. That actually was Drew Brees' fault because he underthrew the ball. If he threw that ball with zip and he got the ball to him, we don't even have to talk about that. We don't have to go through the entire year where you changed the entire NFL by Stop. saying they needed to do the replay rule that ruined everything. That was a Mike Florio and memoriam rule. It was not my uh, idea. If he just had a little more zip on that, you know, that never happens. Well, Nikel Roby Coleman caught himself on the wrong side of the formation. He was sprinting across to try to cover Tommy Lee Lewis. And I'll agree with you. If that ball gets to Lewis faster, great job by the control room pulling this up. If that ball gets there faster, yeah. Roby Coleman never gets to him. And Roby Coleman just assumed, I got no chance of stopping this guy from catching the ball, so I'm just going to blow him up. But he should have already had the ball in his hands. I'll agree with you. The ball should yeah. have been in his hands. Now, he had to finesse it around and Sue. You saw him jump up there. But the ball should have been in his hands before Roby Coleman ever got there. I'll agree with you on that. Okay, so there we go. So th we're just rewriting history. I love this show. You know Drew Brees works for NBC now. You do realize that, don't I you? I actually didn't. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot until right now. Before <laughs> okay. we started this show, I told you. I said that with two kids, one plus one kids <laughs> does not equal two. And I said I just I, – my brain does not retain things and doesn't capture things the sa at the same rate as it used to. Uh, and I completely forgot that Drew Brees worked for NBC until you just said that. <laughs> Whoops. Well, uh, clean up I said nice guy. Five. I said nice guy. I said nice guy. I, I Hall of Famer. I said – I said long before he came to NBC, one of the best quarterbacks of all time and got the absolute most out of his God-given abilities, and it's hard not to respect anybody <laughs> who takes what they're given and gets the absolute most and then some out of it, and he absolutely did that. Let's go back to Mac Jones for a second before we wrap this segment. <laughs> okay. What? Okay. No, right. I'm just, I just want, I want the people at home to know that I, will, I, I am completely uncompromised. People cannot get to me. And I'm saying that because I just forget who works at NBC at this point. So <laughs> it has nothing to do with it's, me being on a mission for justice. It's simply I just completely forgot. It's easy to take the stand on principle when the stand you took <laughs> happened without knowledge of any principles or issues or problems no, that no, may be at play. Yeah. Mac Jones, look, I, I, I agree with you. One of the reasons Cam Newton's not there is they love what they see from Mac Jones, and there's suddenly a ton of hype around Mac Jones. The player or the rookie of the year on the offensive side of the ball odds shot from plus 800 to plus 450. No surprise. Once you know he's going to be playing, he's going to have better odds to win that award. But he's just so smooth and so confident, and it's almost robotic in the way that he makes the drops and he, and he makes the reads and he throws the ball, and he's got – He's just got an authoritative way about him. And I'm, I'm stunned, Big Cat. You're a college football guy. I'm, I, I said this week, and I know this is a horribly dated reference, this is like when they put Michael Keaton in the Batman costume. Like, where'd Michael Keaton go? Like, Mac Jones was this lumpy Bobby Lane guy at Alabama, and his uniform didn't fit him, and he looked out of shape. All of a sudden, they put him into the Patriots uniform, and he looks like Tom Brady wearing Jimmy Garoppolo's number. Well, to be fair, Mac Jones had one of the greatest college football seasons of all time last year. It was it was better than Tua's season. So I he was very, very good. I think the knock on Mac Jones was always cause because we saw it with Tua and then he makes the transition to the NFL is if you're playing on a team with all all-stars and everyone's always open, can you do that in the NFL? 
But he was he was exceptional in Alabama. He had an all-time, all-time season. And, you know, I think what happens now in today's NFL, Mike, is because there are so many dynamic quarterbacks, guys that can do something with their feet and throw the ball, we fall in love with that. And sometimes we forget that it's the old Mike Leach. The only thing you can't teach is accuracy. If you're an accurate passer and you get the ball there on time, it doesn't matter if you don't have the athleticism that some of these other guys have. That is a skill that puts you, I think, at the start when you're talking about quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think Mac Jones is going to be very good. He showed it at Alabama, and uh, I think he'll, he's in a perfect situation. I mean, imagine getting drafted. You, you not only get the year in between where Cam Newton is the guy after the guy, because no one wants to be the guy after the guy. But now you get drafted by Bill Belichick, who probably wants to prove some things, and Josh McDaniels in a, like one of the most stable franchises in the NFL. What a dream. I mean, that's, that, that, he is set up to succeed for a very long time in my eyes. And they spent all that money in the offseason on improving the weapons. One of the reasons why Cam Newton wasn't as good last year as he could have been. Now they've got better weapons for Mac Jones as he walks in the door. And you made an important point. And Vic Fangio, the Broncos coach, two weeks ago said this, and it was one of the things that made me think Teddy Bridgewater's getting that job in Denver. The ability to manipulate the pocket, the ability to buy time, moving, not not in a frenetic way, in a very smooth, controlled way, sliding to the spot where the pressure isn't, getting rid of the ball before the pressure is on top of you and the walls close in. You don't have to run around with your hair on fire if you know how to just slide subtly, step here, jump there, but do it in a graceful way, throw the ball. That's what Mac Jones has. That's what Tom Brady has. That's what Teddy Bridgewater has. And at a time when we're so smitten with guys who can buy extra time by running out of the pocket, maybe taking off or just running around until they do a sidearm throw or a no-look throw or a left-handed throw, there's something to be said for the quarterback who can stay in the pocket and just move around very subtly and get rid of the football accurately. Yeah, mobility. We we think mobility. We think of a guy who can who can run around, you know, defensive ends and get a first down with his feet. Mobility. The most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL in the last decade are, to my mind, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady because of that. Because they know how to move around the pocket and they always know how to avoid the rush. Neither guy is, uh, you know, running a four four forty. So that tells you a lot. That the, the ability to move in the pocket is a, a way better in my mind than the ability to move outside of the pocket. But Rogers, as you've seen time and again, when he decides to kick it in, he can go. Yeah. And he always yes. finds that spot where nobody else is. You don't see him get hit. The only time he gets hit is when he holds the ball a little bit too long behind the line of scrimmage, waiting for a guy to pop open. That's how he's broken a couple of collarbones over the past several years. All right, Shane McClellan. Uh, Shout out Shane McClellan. And also uh, Anthony Barr. That that yes. was uh, that was a classic case of Rodgers holding the ball to let his guy pop a little more open, and he just held it too long. All right, uh, Andy Dalton's going to be holding the ball coming up in about nine nights on Sunday Night Football when the Chicago Bears go to the Los Angeles Rams. When we return, we will allow Big Cat to vent, talk, cry, whatever, as the Bears continue to wrestle with who their starting quarterback will be, Dalton or Justin Fields. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. We're
just in a good position with, with Andy. You know, like like we it, it starts with how we do, how we feel about Andy, and we're very confident in him and where he's at. So there's no need for us to rush Justin. Right. If, if Justin is the is the future of the franchise at quarterback, and the coach is saying he's ready to play. How is it not in the best interest in the long term of the franchise to start the process of Justin playing and learning? Because we feel Andy's in a good place too. You know what I mean? So it'd be different if we if we didn't feel that way. We feel Andy's in a good spot too. Like we're we're confident in Andy. And there's there's a lot of things Andy with Andy. I know we've talked about it before, but his experience. He's won a lot of games in this league. His decision making. His intangibles. His leadership. All the things that he's doing. There's there's so many veteran players that have come up to me and made comments about Andy Dalton and what he's doing in, in practices, in the locker room, in the huddle. All those little things that I think we're going to see pay off as we get into the season. So it's it's more about Andy right now. We're excited about Justin. We're I'm more excited than anybody. Uh, but you know, we're just going to let this thing play out. Well, you can always tell which general managers take full advantage of the world class exercise facilities at an NFL headquarters and which ones don't. Ryan Pace clearly does, and the Bears clearly sold on Andy Dalton. This plan, and it's been hiding in plain sight. As much as those of us would like it to change, they've made it clear from day one Andy Dalton is the guy. They want to see what he can do. And and every oh, sure, no, that's just baloney. And here we are on the brink of the start of the season. It's going to be Andy Dalton week one and probably week two against the Bengals. After that, who knows? But, Big Cat, I, they, they are they are all in with Andy Dalton. And you, okay. I sense, are all out. All right. So this is a little complicated. I've tried to explain it a few times. I think there's uh, at times on, on my podcast, on part of my take, I don't want to spend you know the entire time talking only bears because I know it's a national show so I try to spare people my frustration so I'm going to say it to you and you tell me where I'm wrong okay because there's a lot of things going on right now a lot of people are saying to me what does it matter Andy Dalton no one's going to remember that Andy Dalton started this season it doesn't really matter in the long term of Justin Fields I agree. I concede. I actually don't really care that Andy Dalton is starting week one on Sunday night. My excitement for the Bears season is 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 not as high when Andy Dalton is going to be the quarterback, and I know the offense is going to look bad, and the offensive line is bad. Put, put aside the fact that people actually think like, oh, Aaron Donald would kill Justin Fields. Let's not have Justin Fields out there week one. Like, there aren't grown men on every NFL roster that could hurt you if you don't know a protection and Miles Garrett's week three. Whatever. Put that aside. My issue, Mike, and this has been my issue from day one with these guys, Ryan Pace is on his fifth quarterback. He has been able to get five quarterbacks inside of House Hall, five being Justin Fields is my fifth. So it's it's Mike Glennon, it's Mitch Trubisky, it is then Nick Foles, it's Andy Dalton, and now it's Justin Fields. So that's five quarterbacks. What GM gets to pick five quarterbacks? And then on top of all of that, okay, you don't know how the draft is going to go. You don't know that Justin Fields is going to drop to you at 11. People thought he was going to go a lot higher than that. People thought that it was going to be quarterback, 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 straight down the line, right? You don't know how the draft is going to go. Before the draft started, you signed Andy Dalton, and you told Andy Dalton he's the he's the number one quarterback. That was your plan. Your plan going into this season 
was to play Andy Dalton and to think that Andy Dalton is a like an actual starting caliber quarterback in the NFL right now in 2021. Nice guy. Love Andy Dalton. Nice guy. We've seen it for the last couple of years. He's no longer a, a starting caliber guy for a team that went to the playoffs last year, even though they invented a game just so we get embarrassed on Nickelodeon. <laughs> so, in summation, Mike, it is is not about the Justin Fields sitting right now. I do think there's an element of, hey, if you are a good NFL coach, you should have a quarterback competition. It should be a situation where everyone has a shot to earn their job in camp because that's what good teams do. Bill Belichick just showed it when he cut Cam Newton. Not because, like, he didn't say, I'm going to start Cam Newton because he started in the NFL. He said, Mac Jones gives us a better chance to win, so we're going to start Mac Jones. Matt Nagy didn't do any of that. He said he's going to be the quarterback no matter what. Justin Fields could be 10 times better than him. Andy Dalton's going to be our quarterback no matter what. That makes no sense. That's a dysfunctionally run franchise. And I just think Andy Dalton starting week one in the grand scheme of things will not matter. I totally concede that. My whole point is these guys, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, don't know what they're doing and we shouldn't let them off the hook just because Justin Fields fell into their lap and could potentially be a franchise quarterback. I got a couple of things I want to say. First of all, he didn't fall into the lap. They traded up when he got to number 11. But and in he, part, I think they were concerned. I, 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 you know what I mean? Like look, he, he got to 11. Like I don't I think know. they had the capital to right. get up to five if he had been at five. Right. I also think as he was creeping closer and closer to 14, the Vikings were going to take him, so that may have motivated the Bears to make the move. You think somebody else in your division wants him. What are we missing here? Let's go get this guy. We can get him by only giving up a first-round pick next year. Wait, your wait, five let me quarter- say one last thing. Let me say one last thing about the draft because the, the, the counter-argument to what I just said would be that uh, the Bears were always planning on drafting a quarterback, so it's not like he fell into his lap. And then my counter-argument to that counter-argument would be that is horrendous, <laughs> horrendous, roster construction to give money to Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and then draft a quarterback. That is not yeah. seeing any type of how we cut Kyle Fuller, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, in part because Nick Foles is getting paid, Andy Dalton is getting paid, and he drafted a quarterback. Well, and Andy Dalton got $10 million. Jameis Winston's base deal is six and a half or $5.5 million. He gets another million by basically falling out of bed as the starter. But after that, he's got to go earn it. But the base value of 5.5, Andy Dalton's got 10 that can become 12. That means they really like the guy. They made the decision that they wanted him. And part of it is you got to hedge your bets here. You got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, there's a guy we really want in the draft, but we still have to have a quarterback ready to go because we don't know who we're going to get. And in a weird sort of way, signing an Andy Dalton provides you with cover like it did for the Patriots when they had Cam Newton. You kind of need to make that investment in order to get the guy that you want because everybody's going to think, oh, they already have their quarterback in Andy Dalton. That's just another way to think about it. Mike, they traded for Nick Foles last year, and they're paying Nick Foles. So there's no... No, but Mike. But they they so, know Foles isn't the guy. But they so already decided Foles isn't the guy. So then don't trade for him. My point is, what the Bears do is they basically can only see two feet in front of their face. They don't see anything deeper than that. Like you, it's just misstep, 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 making up for the missteps, trying to figure out a way, trading trading draft capital, hoping that you can mortgage the future to capture something that's happening right now. Like, the defense is getting older. The offensive line's an issue. We've traded draft picks. 
It's just not, none of it is seamless and makes sense. There's no, there's no straight line here that the Bears are trying to follow to rebuild this roster and make it something that can be sustainable. It's just hopping from rock to rock, hoping that you don't fall into the water. I think from a football perspective, what they would like to do, and they specifically being Coach Matt Nagy, is to replicate what he experienced as the offensive coordinator with the Chiefs in 2017 when Alex Smith played 15 of 16 games. Patrick Mahomes was kept on ice, and, and they knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be special. They kept Mike. him on ice. I, let me, let me, come, I, I let you talk Smith for five minutes uninterrupted. Hold on. Hold on. Alex Smith I understand that. I'm going to make that point. Okay. I, I, allow me right. to make the point before you push Go back. Ahead. Okay. Go ahead. My Go ahead. point is that it's not 2017 Kansas City, that this thing that Matt Nagy has in his mind that is a product of his own personal experience doesn't fit because of the fact that Andy Dalton has no equity with the Bears, because of the fact that the Bears fans are so desperate to get a franchise quarterback, they're not going to sit there like the Chiefs fans did and not clamor for Patrick Mahomes. And there were points in the 2017 season where I was saying, this offense stinks now, they need to put in Patrick Mahomes. They believe in him, they love him. Travis Kelsey's raving about him. Let's see what the kid can do because the offense was sputtering under Alex Smith. That that deference is not going to apply in Chicago like it did four years ago in Kansas City. I think at the core, Big Cat, this is, whether you like it or not, this is the product of the strategic decision that was made when whoever authorized the trade-up to get Justin Fields. Because assuming that it's not entirely dysfunctional at the top of the organization, they had to have known when they authorized this pick you're taking Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace off the hot seat for this year. You're not going to judge them for whatever happens this year. Next year is the year that counts. Next year is the year that we put Justin Fields on the field from week one, and those guys rise or fall. And I think Ted Phillips, I, he's been there for over 20 years. He's been the captain of this dysfunctional ship. I think he's caught up in this too. So, mm-hmm. so if we accept that, if we accept that that. Nagy and Pace aren't even close to the hot seat until next year. This year's nothing. This year's red shirt. This year's scholarship. This year's just go out and do what you can do, but don't jeopardize your ability to have Justin Fields be everything you need him to be next year when you're going to be judged, possibly with your jobs. That's what okay. I ultimately think at the core is going on here. I, I agree with everything you said, and that's actually our, – our points completely meet in the middle here, and they actually complement each other because what you just said, I agree with, and I think that that's the, the dumbest decision ever because I don't think that Matt Nagy, Ryan – no, and it's not, it's not about Justin Fields specifically. It's not about Justin Fields specifically. It's the fact that the Bears organization is giving – that equity and that like uh, benefit of the doubt to three guys, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and Ted Phillips, who don't deserve it, in my opinion. That's really what it comes down to. I'm in a, you guys got to prove it to me as the fan, because it hasn't gone great. And, I, you know, 2018 was the double doink will haunt me forever, because I truly do think that team was a Super Bowl caliber team. Do you know who else that team had? Vic Fangio, who's one of the best defensive coordinators and defensive coaches in the NFL. He has made a lot of coaches look really good. He made Jim Harbaugh look really good at Stanford and at the 49ers. So I just think that those guys, those three guys, getting an entire year to basically say, we're fine, we're good, 
I just think that's a mistake. I really do. I think that we, the, the, the fastest way you can ruin a young quarterback is not through offensive line play. It's through dysfunctional franchise. It's through coaching that might not be able to get him to his max abilities. It's through a GM that isn't able to put together a cohesive roster. And you know what? I'm going to say something nice about Ryan Pace. He actually has had some nice draft picks. He really has. He's been able to figure out ways to get some value with some of his draft picks. Eddie Jackson. Like There's, there's different guys that Ryan Pace has been able to get who have looked good but he has also mortgaged a lot of the future. He's traded up for a quarterback twice. How many GMs get to trade up for a quarterback twice, Mike? Not many. Not many. Well, and he's never going to live down the fact that they left Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson on the board, as you well know. And, and, and I said this before we even thought the Bears were going to try to make a move for Justin Fields. They're never going to live down the Mahomes decision until they get a Mahomes of their own or until mm-hmm. Mahomes retires. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. It's a constant irritant. It's that that sore that never heals. That was going to be there. So they decided we got to go get our own Mahomes. And they made the conscious choice that Justin Fields is the guy. But now that you have him, that's where it, it all does kind of fall apart logically. If he's the better guy, and that's the one thing we don't know, Big Cat. We don't know what the locker room thinks about all of this you know people still say oh Pete Carroll how brave he was in 2012 to start a five foot ten inch rookie in Russell Wilson when they'd given all that money to Matt Flynn no everybody in the team knew that Wilson was the better guy the brave thing to do would have been the stupid thing to do would have been to not play Russell Wilson so I don't know and I haven't heard they've done a good job of keeping it quiet I haven't heard any rumblings behind the scenes like what's Matt Nagy thinking here Justin Fields is clearly the better guy. So that, if that's going on, then that's a problem. And, and I, I mean, from what we've seen in preseason games, especially against the Bills and Mitchell Trubisky, it's very difficult to say, oh, yeah, I understand why Andy Dalton's the week one starter. Everything we've seen from Dalton, other than that kind of look what I found catch that he uh, that, that the guy made off the defender's helmet in the Bills game when it was 28 nothing. everything from Dalton has been unspectacular in the preseason, and Fields has had moments that have justified the excitement. So it's a it, tough spot for them to be in, and, and uh, it, we'll, hey, we'll see one not, week at a time how they deal with it. It's not a tough spot. They've, they've put themselves well, in this they've spot. made it. They've made it. Right, I agree with you. Right. They've right. created a tough spot for themselves. They've painted they, themselves into a corner, and now they they, they, I feel like they don't know where to go, and they refuse to admit that they should just play the rookie. Do you know what they should have done, Mike? Is they should have just not signed Andy Dalton. And I like Andy Dalton, nice guy. I feel bad for Andy Dalton. They should have just said Nick Foles, and we're gonna and, and we're gonna draft someone. And then and then if Nick Foles were starting Week One, I think it's a totally different conversation because you're not wasting money on Andy Dalton, and you're also not having quotes where Matt Nagy, like either you're a bad football coach or you're a liar when he says. Uh, we need to see the we need to see Andy Dalton in the regular season to evaluate him. There's, it's one or the other. You either are unable unable to evaluate Andy Dalton off of his entire career, his training camp, his three preseason games, or which makes you a bad football coach if you can't evaluate someone off of that, or you're just lying because you're lying and you know what he is, but you're just going to throw him out there because that's the plan. Because like you said, they know they have their job. They know, and this is the frustrating part as a a fan, Mike, because that's where my perspective is coming from here. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace know they're probably safe. They know that this season is not actually about wins and losses. It's about Justin Fields looking good down the stretch. That's frustrating. 
That's frustrating to root for an organization that you know they don't actually care about winning football games. They don't actually care about being competitive. They just care right now about saving their jobs. I think this happens a lot in the NFL where you get to a point where the front office and the coach become a, uh, they, they get to a point where they have to try to save their jobs instead of doing what's right for a football team and, and organization. And it's a terrible spot to be in. It really is. Let me ask you this, though. As a fan, as a fan, Justin Fields is on the team. They gave up next year's first-round pick to get him. Don't you want to avoid Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace being fired this year? Because every time you bring in a new regime, you're rolling the dice. That no, I, you're going to get a coach that doesn't want Justin Fields, didn't like Justin Fields coming out, just like when Josh McDaniels went to Denver. I doubt that he interviewed for that job saying, you know, if you give me this job, the first thing I'm going to do is run Jay Cutler out of town. That That's the risk you're taking because they want those jobs. The candidates for the head coaching jobs want those jobs. They'll say what they have to do to get those jobs, and then, and then they worry about getting the quarterback they want. So I'd rather have a GM and a coach who are all in with Justin Fields in order to get the most out of Justin Fields instead of somebody else who comes in that has a different idea on how to run things. And what you just described is what Ryan Pace has already done. He didn't tell John Fox he was drafting Mitch Trubisky, and then he fired John Fox and brought in uh, Matt Nagy, who very clearly didn't really ever gel perfectly with Mitch. Now, that's not all on Matt Nagy. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that's his fault, um, but it's clear that he never really, they never really saw eye to eye. So what you just described is the dysfunction of the Chicago Bears literally just happened. Well, and they went to the playoffs last year, even though you think it was the playoff game that was invented they specifically so the 8-8 eight eight Bears could get there. This year, 9-8 and eight or 8-9, eight and nine, maybe it'll be good enough for the Bears to get back to the playoffs. The odds in the NFC North, Green Bay, the overwhelming favorite, now that Aaron Rodgers is back, and as far as we can tell, everything is fine, or at least they're pretending it's fine. Minus 170 to win the division. Vikings plus 280. <laughs> Maybe plus 280 before we found out that Kirk Cousins refuses to get vaccinated, and Mike Zimmer's upset about it. Bears at plus 500, and there are the Lions at plus 2,500. Who is the threat? to the Packers, or is there a threat to the Packers? I don't think there is a threat to the Packers. I would love to sit here and tell you that the Bears could have a, a, a chance. I'm just down right now, Mike. I don't know. I'll probably get up, you know, for Sunday Night Football against the Rams. I'll feel better, but I'm just down right now. I just don't think that they have enough, and I don't know. I don't trust Kirk Cousins, and who knows what we're going to see from the Lions. So if the Packers don't win this division, it would be, it would be crazy, would it not? Like I, 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 that would be. I think that would be the most stunning upset of any division title this year. I think the Packers win it in a walk. They're twenty six and six under Matt Lafleur, and I know they've got issues with the offensive line, not as good as it was last year. They lost Corey Lindsley. David Bakhtiari is is on the physically unable to perform list for at least six weeks, but they still have Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers is as motivated this year as he was last year to have a big season and potentially walk off into the sunset. Let's take a break. When we return, Carson Wentz, the Colts quarterback, had plenty to say about the vaccination issue yesterday. Yesterday. And trust me, you want to hear what he had to say. We'll be right back. It's it is a personal decision. I'm not going to go into depth on, on why, um, but I will say you know it's it's a personal decision for me and my family. And you know I respect everybody else's decision. And you know I just ask that everybody does the same for me. Trust me, I've, I've weighed weighed a lot of things and I've, I've you know factored in 
everything and, and I know I know what's at stake I know all of those things and, and like I said it's it's just where where I'm at uh, where I'm at with my family um, and you know that's why you know just understanding the protocol to, to truly try everything we can to avoid what happened this week you know it is it is what it is you know whether we agree or not with the protocol and the rules they're in place trust me there's it's been an ongoing process for me for my family um, and so it's, you know, this happening this week, I think it kind of woke us up on really the protocol and just understanding um, how this happens and, and just understanding some of the gray areas with the league and making sure we, we, we know and that um, we know what, what's at stake and, and how to avoid it. So, um, but yes, like I just mentioned, it is a fluid process and I'm weighing every pro and con out there and it, you know, keeps me up at night. There's a lot of things uh, that go on inside my head, but it's just where we're at right now. He didn't say trust me quite as many times as Tim Tebow said the word excited during his New York Jets introductory press conference nine years ago, but it was close. Trust me, trust me, trust me. The irony is if you're a starting quarterback who isn't vaccinated, you can't be trusted to be available every week. And no matter how closely you follow the protocols, positive test any given day, you're out for a minimum of 10 days if you're not vaccinated. And as and, and there's no transparency in who is and isn't vaccinated. We find out when, for example, a guy is knocked out for five days because he had close contact with someone who was infected because you only get knocked out for five days if you're not vaccinated. If Carson Wentz had been vaccinated, he doesn't have to go home for five days and work from there. So that's how we found out. That's how we got confirmation. I'd seen pictures of him at training camp with a mask on, which is kind of a clue. But now we know for sure he's not vaccinated. And, uh, you know, hey, guys who can't play because they test positive. If they're not vaccinated, they still get paid. The only thing they lose is per-game roster bonuses, and that's not nearly enough to make a difference. Being available, getting your per-game roster bonus if you have one, being there for your team, being able to play football because you want to play football. Big Cat, there's still 7 8% of the league and a lot of starting quarterbacks that refuse to go ahead and do it. That's the wild thing to me. The starting quarterbacks. I, you know, obviously, I'm I'm very pro vaccination. I think everyone should go get vaccinated. It's it's insane that we have this conversation and people saying, "Well, I, I gotta I gotta wait some time." Like for what? What are you waiting for? But throw all that out. Quarterbacks. Like you're the leader of the team. Just from a competitive standpoint, how are you not getting vaccinated so that you don't cost your team a potential, you know, win, a potential time practicing? It blows my mind. I just don't, I don't get it. And I think that actually not getting it, not understanding it, kind of proves that it's, it's almost pointless to try to argue with anyone who sees it the other way. And, and it's just, we're, we're kind of just running in circles at this point, trying to tell people to get vaccinated. It's like, why, what, what, what can I say now at this point? If, you're, if you haven't already done it, if you haven't already seen how it could benefit, just on a human level, your team, it's, it blows my mind. The feelings are so strong that on either side, the effort to explain your position and get someone else who disagrees with you, whatever side you're on, to understand it is like trying to teach your dog how to drive a car. It's completely impossible. It's two different languages. It's two different realities. It's two different Americas. That's what we've been living with for several years now, but it's been no more pronounced than with this vaccination question. And Big Cat, I agree with you from a leadership standpoint. How can you lead a football team? If you refuse to do everything you can to be available, that's why I never dreamed we would get to the point where football players would refuse the vaccination. This gets back to the thing that Michael Irvin said weeks ago. You're not committed to winning if you don't get vaccinated. Because set aside 
the the scientific aspects of it. Guys line up the door to get Toradol shots so they can play. They know or should know Toradol is not good for them long term. They don't care. They want the Toradol because it lets them play. Guys take PEDs. Not a lot, but enough. And your theory is only the non-stars ever get caught. I remember that very well, and there's some logic to it. But guys will take whatever supplements, whether they are or aren't prohibited by the NFL, so they can play, so they can go, so they can earn their money. And to, to draw a line at this is stunning to me, that guys would not do the thing that ensures their availability and then act like, I don't know what you're talking about. How does that have anything to do with my availability? Well, you get tested every day. Yeah, Every given day the Colts play, there's a chance that all the plans, all the practice reps, everything they've done to get Carson Wentz ready for that game, they're going to have two hours to get Jacob Eason ready to go. It's crazy, Mike. I agree with everything you said. Football is a very dangerous sport. We know the risks. We know most of the risks now. Like At this point, it, you're, you're doing something so dangerous and then not doing something that's like – it's nuts. It really does blow my mind, and I've kind of – I know I probably shouldn't give up in trying to convince people because of uh, – you know, I have a platform and everything. Don't give up. It, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep don't doing ever it. give up. Yeah. It's right. crazy. Seriously, it is, it is Seriously, crazy. Though. No, it I is, know. It's crazy, and I think anyone who has a platform should use it, if for no reason other than to counter the, the people who have platforms who are using them for the wrong side of this. I, yeah. I, if nothing else, it's a tug of war that we both need to engage in, because if we give up, then the ones who will not quit using their platforms to convince people to not get vaccinated will win. So that we got to hold the rope. Uh, All right, so let no, me let know. me do it, let me do it in a, in a common man way. Uh, I really don't want to deal with uh, games getting canceled and players being out last second for my bets. So you should <laughs> probably get vaccinated so that we don't get screwed over when we try to gamble on games on Sundays. You make an excellent point because I've pressed the league on this because I think they have a problem coming as more and more states legalize gambling. It's going to be more and more important for the NFL to pay attention to things that it used to gloss over, you know, transparency with injury reports, how you handle inside information. But this idea that we don't have a comprehensive list of which starting quarterbacks we can't trust on game day, somebody makes a bet on a team where it isn't known that the starting quarterback isn't vaccinated and then all of a sudden the starting quarterback doesn't play, you, you think there's not going to be an issue about that, Big Cat, if that information was concealed from the, the people who are betting their hard-earned money legally in, what, 25 states now? Yes, it's going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. So so let's do it that way. Let's just say that we don't want to get our bets screwed up and we don't want gambling to get screwed Good. up, okay? So get Good. vaccinated. Well, if you're betting on the Buccaneers, it won't be an issue because... The Bucks are now 100% vaccinated. Let's hear from Bruce Arians and also one of the guys who was reluctant but finally did it, running back Leonard Fournette. We're 100% vaccinated, our entire organization, all the players, all the coaches, everybody. Something I just want to do, you know, trying not to put the team in harm's, just knowing that even though you still, people still catching it, but it makes it a lot better that I have the shot and don't cause other things on the team. Because we need it. We need every hand in here for these next couple of big games we got coming up, especially for this opener. See, that underscores what a competitive disadvantage it is for the teams that aren't close to 100 percent. Because if you are at 100 percent, that's just one less thing to worry about. That that could be the difference between 10 and seven or 11 and six or nine and eight. And at some point you don't make it to the playoffs. Maybe you have a team that could catch fire 
as we've seen teams do that just barely get into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, off they go. They win, they win, they win, and then they're in the Super Bowl. You don't even get the chance if there's that one game that you lose because you had a starting quarterback who wasn't vaccinated. And I don't know what happened. I followed all the protocols. I did everything I could. I don't know how I had close contact. I don't know this. I don't. Well, you know what? If you've been vaccinated, it wouldn't have been an issue. And and, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I hope it doesn't, but it's going to be a factor. And there's going to be a team that we're going to be able to say when we look back, oh, that game, that's the one. And if they had if they had, had their players who otherwise weren't available because they weren't vaccinated and they tested positive, they had close contacts, if they had played that game and won it, they'd have been in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I'm happy the Bucs, like, the, it's the rich get richer here. The fact that they're 100% vaccinated and they don't have to deal with this, it's um – you know, it's, it's, and I actually think, Mike, I don't know, you know, the final cuts have come through. I don't know if we get the numbers of every team, but I assume the vaccination rates are going to go down because guys on the bubble were vaccinated more than guys that have a firm job and know they're not going to get cut. So we're, it's going to be an issue. We're going to have a game get canceled or, or uh, I think they actually came out. I don't know if it's in NFL, but uh, <clears throat> in the Big Ten, I think they said that it's it's just viewed as a loss if you have to if you can't play if you can't field the team on a Saturday it's just viewed as a loss and we move on that will probably happen I mean maybe not I don't think maybe, it will I don't think maybe it will. not I don't, I don't know what the NFL rules are I'm gonna take that back I don't know what the NFL rules I'll tell are. you you want me yeah. to tell you yeah okay July 22 the NFL sent a memo that said that if you have an outbreak among unvaccinated players or staff and can't play because of it you will take a loss now. Um, I think they would now say, you know what, it's probably not going to happen because that was all aimed at getting guys to wake up and get vaccinated. They're at such a high rate now that it's going to be impossible to say if you have an outbreak on a team, is it an unvaccinated outbreak? Is it a vaccinated outbreak? So I don't think there's going to be any forfeits, and I don't think they're going to cancel games. you got 69 total guys, 53 on the roster, 16 practice squad guys. You can bring up to all 16 guys to the active roster 90 minutes before kickoff. And they're going to say, hey, you don't have any offensive linemen? Oh, well. Hope you got some guys that can that can block. You don't have any quarterbacks? Oh, well. That happened to the Broncos last year. They are not going to give back money to the networks, and they're not going to give back ticket prices. They're going to play these games. 272 this year for the first time ever. They're going to play all of them. 272. That's a great number. I love it. I wonder what my all final right, record's going to be. Against the spread or straight up? Against the spread, 272. Every game. Well, straight up counts. You can bet the money line. All right, let's take a break. Less than a week until the season kicks off. We've got some prop bets to get you ready for the games that count. We'll do that next year on PFT Live.